and welcome back to another episode of That's Haram. This is going to be the episode that Sahar and I have been hyping up for a couple of months. Yes. We finally pulled it all together to talk to you about iconography and imagery and all that good stuff about angels and demons and the like. So for background, in case you've forgotten, and I do apologize for the car alarm in the background. Goodness. Uh, that's what <laughs> happens when you live in L.A., people. Uh, anyways, so how this all came about was Amazon released Good Omens, and Good Omens centers around an angel and a demon, and, you know, they have personalities, they're doing all these things, and we got a question of, well, do you have any equivalent of that in Islam, in your media? And short answer is no. But then was the follow-up question of, well, what do you have, or, you know, why not? Right. So what Sahara and I are going to be doing in this episode is breaking down. There's a very short answer that Sahara is going to give you, but there's a very multi-pronged, broader answer that goes into this, you know, especially with, you know, what does Islam even believe about, you know, angels and demons and jinn and hell and heaven and all of that. So we kind of have to go into this to give you a better understanding of why this is the way it is, but I am going to let Sahar give you the quick short answer if you want to cut this off at the chase and go about your day. <laughs> the short answer is we just don't really care about humanizing or, you know, making our angel, demon, like the other entities more, like, well, I mean, humanizing, but also just the way that, like, there's so much information and fiction about angels. We just don't care about that. Like, they exist. They do stuff that Allah tells them to do, and that's the end of it, really. And the same goes for the jinn and for other entities as well. Like, they're there, and... Okay. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> that's much. That's kind of how it is. <laughs> but there are several tiers that we're going to kind of break down that, that go into why we have this reaction that we do. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, Sahara and I did do a lot of research into this so we could give you at least the best explanation we could within the confines of this episode. And we're going to start right. off with, you know, why do you not have images of the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, in Islam or any other kind of visual images or icons and i think that is especially if you're coming from hinduism or christianity you know particularly eastern orthodox christianity which is very heavy on icons it's it's different because islam is not necessarily about that um particularly mm -hmm. sunni muslims uh believe that visual depictions of any of the prophets of Islam, but particularly the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, um, should be prohibited. And there's an official term for this in Islam with our view, I shouldn't say our view, but with the Sunni view called aniconism. And that is basically no icons, no images. So the Quran itself, and again, I apologize for the background noise, but the Quran itself doesn't particularly give specifications regarding iconography and imagery, but the Hadith do, and I'm going to let Sahar kind of go into this. Yeah, so I mean, the Hadith essentially, so Hadith is the sayings and, <laughs> wow. I am so sorry. Well, we all want some ice cream, it's okay. Astagfirullah. No, so 
Seriously. Okay, back on topic. (laughs) (laughs) Say that we shouldn't be drawing anything, and that's attributed to people who lived at the time of the prophet or right after him. And essentially, um, there's one quote, so he who creates pictures in this world will be ordered to breathe life into them on the day of judgment, but he he will be unable to do so. So the idea, too, is it's about preventing idolatry and trying to, like, create images of people, which isn't to say that there aren't drawings of the prophets and others. Usually their faces don't exist, which, okay, that sounds kind of creepy, but it just means that there's not a picture of the eyes and the mouth and the nose. It's just a blank face. So you'll see a lot of that, um, especially in like Persian art. And Mm -hmm. also in response to that, then what Islamic art does is artists will use ornate calligraphy. So a lot of geometric patterns with floral or other plant, you know, motifs, which is usually known as arabesque. Um, like the quote unquote Moroccan print is an example of that. Right. Um, but it has inspired lots of architecture. And of course, Islam and practice of Islam is inspired and different based on the culture of people. So the Great Mosque of Jian in China is totally different than the Taj Mahal in India, right? So it's not that we don't do art or have any kind of images, it's just we focus on symbols and shapes versus people and um even like animals sometimes will stay away from that right and you still like in media you'll still see um examples of muslim architecture um the court of mm-hmm. lions in the alhambra palace mm-hmm. uh, the blue mosque in istanbul uh there's like you said the taj mahal <laughs> yeah um, you see <laughs> in media as far as that goes depictions of um, muslim art slash architecture which i th- personally think it's combining the two right to you see that everywhere so that is something to keep in mind of like when you do see a lot of movies you know you do see those depictions of muslim art architecture in there as well but again like sahara was saying it's not a monolith just like islam is not a monolith i know we've said before in previous episodes just because we say one thing doesn't mean there may not be another school that has a different take on it than us yeah especially because there's so many schools of thought right so obviously buildings in china are going to be looking not the same as buildings in india which aren't going to look the same as buildings in um Spain, Middle East or Spain or, you know, Russia (laughs) or the UK. And that's just, you know, part of its regional and regional influences. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, I I did want to point out, though, uh, we said this is very prevalent among Sunni Muslims. Uh, Shia Muslims are not quite as strict about this. So, again, it goes back to not every school of Islam is going to have the same belief mm-hmm. or the extent to which a belief is practiced is right going to differ that said if you are not a muslim just don't do it yeah just there's you no just point shouldn't do it just don't don't draw it don't do it like if we generally say no even if we have different levels that's for muslims to decide that's not for you that's why a lot of muslims get angry when you have Uh, non-Muslim, especially cartoonists that like drawing caricatures of the prophet. (laughs) Yeah, because the key word there is caricature, right? It's not like they're doing it out of respect. Right. They're they're doing it to be, you know, ha-ha, we're trying to, you know, 
So just don't do the thing. It'll be fine. Yeah. But it's really, it's really easy. Just don't do the thing and go on the rest of your life. (laughs) But that is also ties back into why we don't really, um, have movies about the prophet. Peace be upon him. Yeah. And the ones we do, we'll talk about later. (laughs) Right. Um, but so that's kind of like the first layer, you know, why we don't have all of the icons, why we don't have those types of specific movies. But then we're going to go into angels and Islam and I'm going to let Sahar kick this off and then I'll jump in. Sure. So in Islam, we've got a few, you know, entities just like other religions. We've got angels and an equivalent of demons and then, of course, jinn. So angels are generally considered Allah's first creation before humans and in the Quran, um, in one translation, it says they celebrate his praises night and day, nor do they ever slacken. So the angels are created solely for specific tasks and they mm-hmm. don't have free will. Um, which I know in Christian media, obviously angels and not angels and demons. That's that's an entirely different book. Good omens. <laughs> obviously, those two had a sense of free will or at least an element of free will. So in Islam, angels do not have free will. They are here for their tasks and that's what they're going to do. However, again, we're going into different schools of Islam believe different things. Depending on where you fall, the angels aren't infallible. So for certain Muslims, there's this running theme of angels, you know, making mistakes but then we also have other Muslims who hardcore disagree and absolutely believe they're infallible. So yeah. welcome to Islam. <laughs> yeah. Because the difficulty, I mean, with any religion, right, it's like there's the Quran here, but then we've also got the Hadith, and then we've also got all the people who are scholars and jurists just trying to, like, interpret, and also translation errors are a thing. So it becomes mm-hmm. really complicated, which is why within this episode we're trying to keep it to the bare, like, Here's what you need to know to understand why we're not showing a Muslim right. version of Good Omens, which honestly if, would be really chaotic. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe really quick define the difference between the Quran and the Hadith. Yeah, so the Quran is the book of God, and we and Muslims generally believe that it has not changed since it was revealed to the Prophet, peace be upon him, when it was revealed. And Hadith are the sayings of the Prophet and actions of the Prophet and what people observed him to do and say. So the Hadith is kind of like a like a supplementary guidebook, if you will. And not all Muslims pay attention to the Hadith, actually. There's there's plenty of Muslim schools who have no interest in the Hadith and believe that only the Quran should be what people focus on. So you can see already then there's some difficult not difficulty, but there's some differences in how people are living their lives based on that distinction alone. Right. So obviously when we mentioned the Hadith above about icons, there are certain Muslims who don't consider the hadith on par with the Quran, so they may not give that as much precedence. But we're operating under, we're trying to make this as simple as possible. We're just trying to make sure you understand it is not a black and white, cut and dry. This is 100% the way all Muslims believe. Yeah. Um. Sahara did say, you know, angels do exist to serve. Um, we did want to talk about there is some overlap in naming, um, particularly with Gabriel. If you kind of go towards the westernized uh, translation, 
but they mm-hmm. that's about the names are about the only similarities they have you're not going to find a lot of the other shared characteristics like oh gabriel's the most trusted general of god and is on earth leading the charge against no i mean th- there's very specific jobs that are th- that are there um some are guardians some angels gabriel i believe guards hell if i did i get that right uh you said that and then i immediately went to go google it okay so while she does that i'll i'll go ahead and say (laughs) you know they're there to serve so for us there's no worship of angels and there's no veneration either and when i say veneration i'm talking about um you know like you see with catholicism how uh the veneration of christian saints or Mm -hmm. you know there might be prayers to the archangel gabriel or michael or Raphael, what what have you, that doesn't exist in Islam. Yeah, so Gabriel actually is one of the primary archangels and was the first to come to the Prophet and kind of served as the method in which Allah revealed the Quran. So Gabriel went to the Prophet, peace be upon oh him, God, and run. <laughs> no, you're fine. I mean, there are there are angels who guard hell and heaven and other things. And for example, like we have an angel that's in charge of making the weather do what it's supposed to do based on what Allah. Mm-hmm. directs the angel to do um but for the most part like people don't really remember that because there's a lot of angels and trying to remember all of them would be really hard right <laughs> so and again we don't venerate angels you know right. there's, there's no prayers that you say to an angel your prayers go to Allah yeah and that's exactly. just how it is so we don't have a reason then to be making movies trying to humanize angels because that's not what their purpose is. Exactly. So having covered angels, and again, we do acknowledge that different people in Islam believe some different things. This is just how we're trying to streamline this for you. We do want to look at demons you know, are there yeah. demons in Islam? Is there a Satan? And I guess it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. So I um, guess... <laughs> Islam That's a actually good way rejects... It. I'll start this off. Islam actually rejects that Satan is an opponent of Allah. Yeah. Flat out wholesale rejects that. We do have a figure called Iblis, who is a jinn. And per the Quran, although... There are, again, some scholars suggesting that he started off as an angel. Iblis refused to bow to Allah's creation of humanity, or Adam, and was cast down, according to some scholars, and later asked Allah permission to tempt humanity. So, Western Christian media then took that and... I think you know where I'm going with this. Completely conflated Iblis with their version of Satan, a.k.a. Lucifer, son of the morning star. Right. That's not what Iblis is. Although Sufis do consider Iblis a monotheist since he would only bow to Allah, but as Sahara said, was also an arrogant jerk about it. Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole thing with Iblis is that Iblis is a creature of fire, so he finds himself better than humans. And refuses to bow to Adam, right? Peace be upon mm-hmm. him. But also, that has been interpreted as a, well, he's also a monotheist and really just wanted to bow to God. 
so it's 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 complicated and sufis are also this whole other scenario anyway because we're really kind of it, it this isn't meant to be offensive as i am a sufi but we're kind of like the woo like the fun you know there's a lot happening with sufis so there's just a lot of interpretation there and a lot of other muslims are like ah, i don't know how i feel about that maybe don't say those things and i'm like i'm just saying what i was taught sorry <laughs> so it becomes a fun time <laughs> um so yeah, Islam does identify Iblis with. Correct me if I'm getting this pronunciation wrong. Al Shaitan. Yeah, Shaitan. Yeah, Shaitan. But Iblis is more kind of just like ambivalent going about his day than he is just outright evil. Yeah. However, and this is where it gets complicated because, of course, we got to complicate things. Right. The Shayatin are evil spirits and our equivalent of demons. In Christianity, that is. And so they like the jinn, which we'll talk about in a second, share invisibility. And so the the shayateen kind of spend their time just bothering people and tempting people as a Mm. test of like, are you going to do what is right or wrong? But they are locked up during Ramadan. So as kids, we're taught if you're a butt during Ramadan, it's all on you. So you get your life together. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do want to say the shayateen are generally affirmed in the Quran, but there's a Mm -hmm. lot more discussion on them in folk Islam than necessarily straight from the Quran, though the Quran do acknowledge them as tempters, which is why there's some, it's sometimes said that the shayateen are the, what was it? The sons of Iblis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, there's, there's some overlap there. It gets complicated. Yeah. And And the other thing too, to go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. (laughs) The other thing I wanted to add um, is that hell is not a place of everlasting torment in Islam. Like, you don't eternally go to hell unless you were just an awful, awful, like, straight up just did not. (laughs) Yeah, like, awful person who did not repent. Um, So for most people who may end up going to hell, it's kind of like you get punished for a certain time period, whatever that time period is, and then you get to go on to heaven. So you're not permanently there, which is obviously a radical departure from Christianity, which mm. Corey can speak to more. Yeah. If you grew up in any kind of Christian culture, it's you're going to go to hell for all eternity and burn if you commit whatever sin. And it leads people to just kind of like, well, then I'm going to put it off and just do whatever. Or I don't right. think about it. Or it leads people to just wholesale saying this is stupid and leaving the church altogether. Islam, and this is one of the things that was, for me, really was a radical notion of like, no, it's a place where you go to have your sins purged, and once those have been purged, you get to go on to heaven. You're not stuck here for all eternity. The stuff you do that you screw up and you don't repent on, then yeah, that's going to be on you, and you got to deal with your own actions. Right. But it's not eternal punishment, unless obviously, like, you're on a Hitler-esque-ish scale. Yeah, and, and we don't, I mean, I will clarify, like, we're not using, Hitler is unfortunately someone we can quickly, like, ascribe sin to, but in general, like, it really, you really have to be an awful person because right. Islam is all about repenting, so if, if you truly repent your sins, God will forgive you. So it's one of those things where it's just him or any, like, huge, awful dictator, really. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things yeah, where... Yeah, it's short, it's short code. We're just using yeah. Hitler as short code. Yeah. Um, but then that brings us to Jin. Well, actually, let me let me backtrack really quick as far as hell goes. Sure. Like, because Islam's 
hell is so radically different. You're not going to see it in media like you are with Christian hell. Um, you know, oh, yeah, for Dante sure. Alighieri's poem Inferno gave yeah. such a striking idea of hell that media has been adapting that ever since in a mm-hmm. wide array of different types of media. I mean, even just in games, like you've got right. Diablo, the Diablo series from Blizzard. You've got, um, you know, for, if you're a console player, you've got Dante's Inferno. Hell is very, very popular to use in media. You've seen it in movies. Mm-hmm. You've seen it in TV. Lucifer. <laughs> the series. So the reason I think we we really don't see this discussion of hell is because it's not there is this ultimate terrifying goal that people suddenly have to try and avoid avoid or understand better like with lucifer how they try to not quite humanize it but make it more understandable yeah because in lucifer the it's just very no you're fine it's just very the whole like perspective of lucifer as a character is like I really loved God, who's my dad, and God threw me out, and now I'm mad about everything, and I'm going to go live on planet Earth and, you know, hang out and just enjoy my way through life, but then also I'm supposed to be in charge of dealing with all of the people who go to hell. And so it becomes this story way more about him giving up his responsibilities versus in a song, like, that's not a thing. Like, the angels aren't, don't have free will. They're not going to leave. They're just going to be guarding hell for the rest of eternal time, and so there's no point in telling that story. Like, we don't have the impetus for telling the same stories as Christianity does, I think. Exactly. And that's another part of it. However, we have a component that Christianity doesn't necessarily have because it's angels or demons and maybe some kind of ghosties in between, which may be the closest (laughs) equivalent, but there's no real clear-cut... I think comparison to what Islam has, which are the jinn, and I'm going to let Sahar go on about this because she can explain it better than I can. Sure, I'm just laughing because I was not prepared for the term ghosties to apply, but I, I kind I really do like that. So essentially, it's short. Jinn are creatures of fire. So remember earlier we talked about Iblis being a creature of fire and not wanting to bow down to Adam, which is the first prophet, and Adam, as you guys all know. He's upon him. And so they have free will. And unlike angels, they can kind of really do whatever they want. So they're a good jinn. They're a bad jinn. They're a jinn who probably sleep all of the time. They kind of function the same way we do because of the free will, but they're invisible. Um, and so, quote, they roam the earth before Adam created by God out of a mixture of fire or smokeless fire. So they can resemble humans because they eat and drink and they have children and die. So they're also subject to judgment. But we can't really see them. And they can also take on the shape of of humans. So if there is any entity that's kind of included in Islamic media, if you will, it's usually the jinn because you have a little bit more freedom in the context of depiction and what have you. The other really cool thing to judgment exactly the same as we are. So I mean, they can either go to heaven or hell according to their deeds, right? And um, the, the in, well, fun is maybe not the right word, because anyone who's grown up Muslim will tell you that every family member that's older than, like, the age of 30 has a story about dealing with the jinn, especially, like, in South Asia, the Middle East, Africa, like, a lot of weird situations and, like, freaky coincidences will be uh, ascribed to the jinn, because, like, we've all seen them. But what I wanted to make sure to add, too, is that 
the concept of jinn has kind of absorbed pre-Islamic Arabia spirits as well. So then the jinn are both the fireless creature that God created, but then they're also kind of just like all of the weird ghosties that we can't really explain, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And an important note, the prophet, peace be upon him, was sent to the jinn too. Yes. I think that's an important distinction to make. It wasn't just, oh, here, go for humanity and, you know, forget the jinn. The, the prophet, peace be upon him, was also sent to the jinn. Yeah. So if they're, if they're out there doing awful things, they, they know better, if, if that makes sense. Right. What if they're doing awful things during Ramadan? Ooh, that's a good question, because I don't think jinn are... Are they influenced by the... shaitan? That's a good yeah, question. That's like you know what? Imam. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't know because I think you're right. They, I mean, they're they function like humans do in the context of like the free will and stuff, and so they're not. Well, maybe the bad ones are like the there are like levels of jinn, if that makes sense. And like mm-hmm. this is for a totally different episode, but like sometimes the bad jinn are involved with like black magic and stuff, so they probably are locked up. But I don't know if just, like, Jin as a whole entity, like, a whole unit, get locked up or not. Man, I'm going to be strolling into Masjid with this multi-tier <laughs> question for it. <laughs> He's going to be like, what have you been looking at? <laughs> Why do you do these to the, me? But this brings us to, so, okay, if this is the case, and these are our entities, and, like, we're not supposed to be doing pictures and icons and all that good stuff, then what are we depicting in media? So mm-hmm. Corey actually... Um, has a good movie example that she can talk about, Bilal, a new beat of hero. Right, so you will see a lot of media based off of historical characters because obviously outside of the prophet peace be upon him, uh, but Bilal is actually a fairly recent animated movie that came out 2018 yeah, 2018 and had a budget of about 30 million dollars so th- i mean th- this was some effort and yes. this talks about the historical figure bilal um who was around what was it uh 632 ad bilal ibn rabah was the full name mm-hmm. uh he was a freed slave and he rose to a really uh, high position of prominence in Islam, and it talks about his life, um, you know, that he lived with his mother and sister until the Byzantine soldiers came and enslaved them. Uh, he was sold as a slave to the richest man in the city of Mecca. I, I think his name was um- Umaya. Mm-hmm. Umaya. Yeah. So, eventually, he grows up um, he makes friends and he meets with a Muslim and winds up reverting to Islam and went through some really hard stuff. Uh, he was tortured because he defied Umayyah. He was taken to a cage where he was tortured like every day until Umayyah offered him a chance to be a spy and Bilal did not yield and he was eventually they were going to kill him by crushing him with a boulder like very slowly and he was saved by Abu Bakr who bought him from Umayyah and 
it goes through how he's getting his sister back, uh, Gufira. Am I pronouncing mm-hmm. it right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying to. Um, but yeah, <laughs> his new master frees him, teaches him how to fight with the sword, and eventually we're later over in Medina, and long story short, it it's the story of how Bilal wins his freedom, uh, is able to kill Umaya in and how they're able to defeat this Karashi army in Mecca. And later you see only... It's a lot about... um, I'm really trying to remember my history here. It's a lot about the early days and how he's kind of instrumental in the fall of a lot of other tribes or people. And he winds up being one of the first or most prominent uh, callers for prayer at the Kabbalah. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a long while to get there, and it's kind of disjointed, kind of hard to follow. But basically, he's enslaved as a young boy. He gains his freedom. He fights for Allah, and he became the caller for prayer at the Kabbalah. Yes. After so all he... the idols. After all yes. the idols had been destroyed and removed from the holy site. Yes. So... Some things I'll add, he's black. So yes. he's actually one of the first black Muslims that people really talk about. And there's a lot to unpack there in the context of like how Muslims now talk about him and even Muslims back then. But he was one of the first Muwazin, so called to pray at the Kaaba. And he, um, specifically in the context of being one of the first people to take on Islam, the whole reason why he's such a big deal and why this movie really comes out in the context of trying to like teach people about him is that he was one of the, well, there were a lot of people, unfortunately, who were like really persecuted, but the whole time he refused to go back to Umayyad bin Khalaf. And so when Abu Bakr comes to buy him and then there's all this other like trading of slaves and stuff so he can become free, it's just a really like, in, in, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know what word I was looking for there, but it's a really good story. And so like, we'll have stuff like that and we'll have stuff like for kids, but we don't really have any shows or media or even in books that are about like any of the angels or demons. It's mostly just focused on historical figures. Yeah. You know, their faith and their perseverance. I do have to cut back really quick. Sunnis believe that Bilal was, to become the call caller to prayer, uh, the Shia do not really accept that story. So again, it I, I have to throw in because that's showing where we kind of fall on that side. But he also did uh, become the minister of the Beit Al Mal or the Treasury, mm-hmm. um, appointed by Muhammad, uh, peace be upon him. So that part is confirmed. And yeah, he worked on distributing funds to like the widows, orphans, other people who couldn't support themselves. And then, the, you know, the, where you fall in Islam is if he was the caller to prayer or not, specifically chosen by the prophet, peace be upon him. Yeah, because the the and this is getting into kind of the nitty gritty, but it's because there's debate over whether or not it was revealed to him via a dream or if it was revealed to him via the prophet. And so there's a level of like 
how many things happen via dreams and miracles and like why wouldn't the prophet just teach people things peace be upon him so there's a lot of that that happens which is also why we don't see a lot of depiction of this stuff because it just becomes really convoluted and controversial is not even the right word it's just like people it's not important to show all of that necessarily which is why like most of the media that i ever saw as a kid was kids shows so it was like here are all these peripheral characters we're never going to see the prophet and if the prophet peace be upon him is in the scene it's usually from his perspective so like we can learn about the prophet and that happens actually in the 1976 movie the message which was controversial as expected because the funding had to come from outside of the u.s because at the time there was a lot of stuff going on in saudi arabia but it's like one of the few films my family still owns in vhs like i've seen that movie like 10 times growing up as a kid because it's long but my dad was like we're gonna sit and i'm gonna tell you all of the things that they got right or wrong i'm like okay dad let's do it um but that movie actually also didn't show his wives his daughters his son-in-laws any of the caliphs abu Bakr is one of them um, and so it mostly just left his uncle and his adopted son as the, the characters we would really get to see. And then a lot of like panning the camera. So it looks like we're the characters that are being talked to, which is an interesting experience, actually, when you're watching something. If not potentially disorienting. Yes. Um, and then, of course, there's, you know, like Prince of Egypt, which isn't a Muslim film, but Moses is a big deal in Islam, too. Peace be upon him. So that movie um, and other other characters, like, in that context. Now, they actually had advisors. When when Sahara talks about Prince of Egypt, it's more like they had advisors from Christianity and Judaism and Islam. Yeah. Uh, working with them for that movie. Because unlike later films, they were actually <laughs> attempting to tell the most kind of historically, religiously accurate film they could. Unlike, right. what was it, Exodus, Gods and Kings? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. white cast. <clears throat> and the only people of color are slaves, unfortunate. Haram. Um, Where's our yeah, that's Haram so. button? <laughs> <laughs> that's Haram. I'm the Haram button. There we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, now, so anyway, so Muslim artists and the related, you know, the focus tends to be more on, like, lessons and then talking about, like, there's a cartoon, actually, um, on my namesake which I go by pseudonym, so I can't actually even tell you what cartoon it is. But the point is, like, there are cartoons about other characters than people, but mm-hmm. not necessarily with their faces and all that jazz. Um, I do want to mention films about other prophets are not as controversial. But, again, if you fall in with the Sunni school of thought, it's still probably not good. Yeah. You and I'm... To. Right. And I I say that with the caveat that, like, obviously, when I was Googling for this, I'm using specific search terms, and also I'm using English, and I did look a little bit in Bengali. But for the most part, like, I have no clue what's happening in Bosnia. I don't know what's happening elsewhere in the world. So there there might be films and there might be media about specific people and even about angels and jinn, but there's no way for me to know. So I was only able to find the stuff that, you know, came up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um. Speaking of angels as abstract concept, concepts, though, <laughs> um, based off of what we talked about, because we just really don't have an impetus to make this kind of media. We don't even have an impetus to really want to, because yeah, we know what an angel's role is, and that that's that. There's no free will for us to explore. There's no... You know, we, there's no veneration. It's angels exist. This is what they do. Right. And there's not even any space for us to be like, 
Well, what do angels look like? I mean, they look really intense. So what, we're not going to spend money on CGI. Like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, mm-hmm. there's no point for us to be doing that. So we just let them be and work on all of our other stuff. Um, now, there are, I think, Sahar had mentioned there were some kids' books, though. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of, like, fun, like, teach your child about Islam this way. So there's one that actually just came out a couple years ago about the Kiraman and Katibin, who, um, so in Islam, something that we believe is that there are angels for every single person who write down literally every single thing we do. And the book on our left side, if you will, the angel who sits on the left side is writing down all of the stuff that's bad. And on the right side, the angel who's sitting on the right side writes all of the good stuff. And then on the Day of Judgment, those two books get weighed, and that's actually what decides whether or not you're going to heaven or hell, which is kind of outside the you know, content of this episode. But So there is a cute kid's book that's on Amazon that talks about this little boy learning about those angels and like what are good deeds versus what are bad deeds but again not really a lot for adults or you know trying to interpret the the angels if you truly repent right exactly i swear i'm not trying to interrupt what sahara says it's just there's so many caveats no you're good i mean there you anyone who's listened to us for the last four episodes knows that we're always talking across each other it's okay it happens which brings us to Jin, however, which do have a little bit more media because Jin are also a little bit more cultural, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, like anyone who grew up Muslim probably has a story about like seeing a Jin or like their family saw a Jin or like back home in whatever land your family's from, there was a Jin that did a thing and grandma is really mad about that Jin. Um, so Netflix actually, its first Arabic original is a show called Jin and it's about this girl who accidentally releases one and, you know, it's in high school, so it's also a drama. So there's that. And then there's a movie that came out recently about a young black girl whose mother converts to Islam and the resulting, you know, like, what does this mean for me? Do I want to be Muslim, et cetera? That was, and then there was more metaphorical and symbolic exactly. than writing exactly. like, specifically about jinn, it's a jinn itself. Yeah. And so you can see then in that case, like, we kind of had one that was about the gin itself, but really it's mostly just about the drama that comes out of like teenagers being teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the symbolic one. And then there was a horror film, which is very cursed, <laughs> which I found when I was Googling. And it follows the dude whose great grandfather got cursed by a gin. And then later when his wife is pregnant, they have to like fight the gin off so she can give birth. And it's just like your peak, you know, horror film. There's a ghost bothering my family shenanigans. So again, like, there's just not really a lot of media, and it's, there's especially not a lot of media made by Muslims for Muslims about angels and jinns, because we don't, we don't really care. Like, it doesn't matter to us. But there are some cool kids' books um, that are inspired by jinn, and they're a little less religious, but there is um, a book series called Children of the Lamp, which I do remember reading when I was a youth, and I thought it was a really cool interpretation. So that kind of brings us to why we don't really have anything like good omens for Muslims. There's just not the framework in Islam for us to really want to make or have a desire to or a mandate to make these films. A, you know, the anti-conism. B, we don't have really a reason to be making films about angels or demons. If we do make a film, it's probably, or a content, or some type of media, it's probably going to be around the gin, just because there's more freedom there. But yeah. there's still so many questions. 
Yeah. And then, so, I mean, it's kind of safer for that media to be more around historical characters. And then really, like, I don't know, there's just so much rich Islamic media that just doesn't have to do with that part of our belief system. Like, there's plenty of Islamic media, right? There's plenty of stuff about characters and the way that Islam works in people's lives and just, like, the way that, like... I mean, there's a lot of stuff on dreams, um, surprisingly. Like, you'll you'll find fiction that involves a lot of dreams and, like, trying to figure out what's going on there. And then, as I mentioned really briefly earlier, like, there is some context of are the jinn who are good, what do they do? And are the jinn who are bad, like, black magic and related? Like, there's all of that, but there just isn't any room for we have some angels, let's interpret them as if they had human characteristics. Because that's the thing. That's really it. They're, they aren't humans, so it doesn't matter. Um, right, and then the so jinn that we, we do gonna, see... Why would we waste our time trying to reduce them down to that capacity? Yeah, which is why the only other jinn that you're going to see is on American Gods, which is also Neil Gaiman, who... Wait, no, did Neil... Who did Good Omens? That was a Shoot. Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Okay, cool. So, so, so there we go. We've got our two <laughs> religious examples here, and it just happens to be Neil, who's into both of them, Terry Pratchett, of course. Um, and, and so in American Gods, we've got that whole thing of, like, the djinn takes on the role of humans and, like, drives the taxi, blah, blah, blah. But again, like, we're not going to see that with angels because they don't, they spend all of their time doing what God tells them to do. So they what would be the have point? things they're supposed to be doing. Right. Why are they gonna like suddenly stop doing that and go futz around and roam the earth and wax poetic about their angel angst? Right, because there is no angel angst. Right, and even even a, even a, even a show, but like okay, to have an equivalent of Lucifer, like what would be the point? Like Iblis is cranky. He wanted to do whatever he wanted, and God said, "Let's not do that." And then he was like, "Fine, let me piss off your humans and." make them tempt them and then that'll be my revenge and god was like all right let's see how humans do if they're tempted and that was pretty much the end of it that would not make for a good five season show i did not pronounce that correctly five season show especially because the other thing about lucifer is that there's the whole like sex aspect and like that i'm gonna do drugs like iblis isn't doing that iblis is still like a religious figure who follows the rules he's just mad that he had to bow down to adam peace be upon him and, like, clearly, God forgive me for the way I'm telling the story, but, like, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's no room for this in Islamic media, and so no one does it. And, you know, again, like, it would be really boring even if we did. There's just so much more to talk about. So, basically, it goes back to the short answer that Sahar gave at the top of this episode. We have no reason to. <laughs> And a lot of it is just, I I get if you grow up in a predominantly Christian culture, you're kind of steeped in that understanding of, like, heaven and hell and angels and demons. And if you're, you know, that's just kind of like, that's the default that you marinate in for most of your life. And that's kind of what you come to expect. And you already know all the short code for that, for how that stories, how those stories are set up. So if you're just looking into Islam, you know, you're really going to be finding out is like Islam does not play by that sort of mindset at all. Hell alone is not compatible with 
what Christianity has in place that allows so much media to be based off of it. And I don't even think... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't even think we have any films about exorcism. Because, like, why would we do that? It's a private thing. Like, if you have a family member who might have a djinn possessing them, like, you're just going to go find an exorcist and get rid of it. You're not going to make some kind of, like, scary movie about it. I don't know. It's just just the whole way we talk about our cultural stuff and religious stuff is Mm -hmm. why we don't do what other media creators well, are doing. Well, also, you know, with Christianity, there's this super big impending end of days yeah. scenario that, I mean, yeah, there's end times in Islam, but it it's for a different episode, but it is really, really, really not comparable. Yeah. Like, as far as, like, the trials and tribulations and the Antichrist, and I'm like, um... Okay. <laughs> Although, apparently, I did just find a movie titled Islamic Exorcist in a 2017 supernatural horror thriller film that has a Bangladeshi actor. So, I mean, they, I guess it exists, but it's... There's always caveats we have to put in here. Yeah, like, I don't really think it was actually really about the Islamic exorcism bit. I think it's that the characters are Muslim. So even then, even then, it's just, like, not a real thing. Well, real's not the right word, but y'all understand what I'm saying here. Yeah, I mean, like, you have the exorcist, and and I think this is the other thing, is in the Christian movies, the demons are always fighting, and it's a struggle for God's will to eventually prevail. And you know, right. there's not that aspect in Islam. There is no, like, oh, Allah has to fight to overcome. It's, well, no. Do this, and that's how it's going to be. <laughs> right. So there's no there's no real room to have that story be told because the Christian concept is like yeah there's this almighty god in theory asterisk right right that will eventually overcome maybe asterisk but not until we scare the hell out of you in the process and that just would not exist in Islam it's just, it's, wow. it's just not the scenario I am going down this rabbit hole, though, because apparently <laughs> I should have clarified there is one. So I should have said that in uh, Bollywood, there's a lot of like horror films in the context of like Hinduism. And so there has been like one or two like horror style things. But again, like it's not a good omen style. They're living their Well, I don't know if they're living their best lives, but they're like on their fun, like road trip. There's no there's shenanigans there. We don't really have that in other in other films. It's really just straight like. Everything is awful. Here's a horror film. Someone's evil. Which happens a lot in American media. So it's not really, you know. That's more it's not really like the horror archetype as a whole. Exactly. Exactly. That, that certain people try to, like, well, okay, let's just make these characters Muslim. And it obviously transfers over. Yeah, exactly. Them. So anyways, here's a full 50-minute 50, 50 explanation on why this is the way it is and hopefully you found it informative and you weren't like oh you're rambling so much and i have more questions now well actually that's okay if you have, if you have questions, questions. if good. you have questions ask us hopefully we didn't ramble on too long but if you do have any more questions or you know if we said something that you would like to know more about um or if you'd like to learn more obviously leave us some comments leave us a comment in 
the uh, comments section on the article of this, and we'd be happy to give you the information as best we can, even if I have to say this is more Sahara's realm than it is mine. I mean, Google is also really great, so I'm sure between the two of us and whoever's asking us questions, we can figure things out. And if you have questions or want a different topic, you know where to find us. We're always looking for more things to talk about. Right, and, you know, again, that's how we got this topic was y'all asking us, well, why, do, why, why isn't there anything here? That's a good question. Give us a couple of months to research it. Now, it won't take us that long normally, but we do like to hear from you. And if you do have other questions um, about, you know, depictions of Islam and media, we would love to hear from them. And we'll try to answer them as best we can when we're yeah. not fangirling about Kamala Khan. Right. Who, I mean, we can by always the way, is going to be the lead character in this upcoming Avengers film. Not film. The big Relengers. Avengers <laughs> video game release. I am so excited for it. I can't even talk straight. I was so angry we did that episode of Kamala and then that news came out. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you haven't listened to that episode, you should do that. Yes. Because there, you're going to be seeing a lot more of Kamala Khan in the future between this video game, her ongoing comic series, and her upcoming uh, Disney, was it Disney Plus or D Plus? Yes, Disney Plus. Disney Plus series. So, yay, representation. Hopefully that one fear thing doesn't come to pass. Yes. Right now I'm still going to be hopeful. Okay, we're going to leave now because now we're actually rambling. But thank you yeah, for listening. Yeah, now we're going, we're going to go down the Kamala Khan rabbit hole if we don't uh, stop talking. But... <laughs> If you do, Goodbye. again, have any questions, yeah, if you do have any questions, feel free to leave us a comment, uh, whether you would like some more information on what we talked about today, or if you have something else you'd like for us to discuss. Also, don't forget to check out our other podcasts. We have a growing list of them, so I'm going to, you know, <laughs> go off by my fingers and make sure I don't forget all of them. Unabashed Book Snobbery, The Fundamentalists, Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, spell check and right to survive and then Dan and I actually have another podcast coming out called Fandom Meeples which is going to be kind of a broad based uh, tabletop RPG so we have our first episode of that coming out soon so be sure you give that a check as well and as always keep checking back in with us and we'll keep making new content for you although we can't guarantee the quality <laughs> I'm kidding I'm kidding <laughs> I'm gonna, We're going to leave now. Before Sahara's throttling me. <laughs> you guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye.